What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. You're about to experience the life giving teaching of Bishop Kevin Foreman. Of Harvest Christian Center. To find out more about Dr. Foreman and Harvest Christian Center, visit our website at www.harvestcc.me. And no matter what, remember love God, love people, and love life. We started a series this past weekend called Roots. Say Roots, creating a new American experience. Let's say this together. I am unconditionally loved by God and at harvest. I come to him just as I am, but I won't stay as I am because the message I'm prepared to receive will make me more like the great I am. I am blessed and I am favored in Jesus' name. Remain standing just a moment. Proverbs 23, 7. Proverbs 23, 7. If you got it, say, I got it, Bishop. If you're like, now he knows that's too fast. He just said seven, and I just flipped, and all right, I'll give you some time. Proverbs 23, 7. Y'all ready for this tonight? Y'all ready to get free tonight? I don't really believe you. I said, are y'all ready to get free tonight? If you came in here to just come to church so you could walk out the same way you came, you should go on and leave now. But if you came expecting to walk out of here different, I just need you to put a praise on it before the word even comes forth. Look at your neighbor and say, I expect to leave different tonight. I, I, expect, I, I expect to leave different tonight. One word can change everything. I said one word can change everything. One word can take you from a zero to being a superhero. One word can take you from lacking to abundance. One word can take you from where you are to where you want to be. Look at your neighbor and say, just one word, just one word. Well, I think we got one tonight. I think we got a little bit more than one. Proverbs 23, 7, wisdom, the book of wisdom, Proverbs 23, 7, for as he thinks in his heart. Literally, uh, one translation says like this, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Heart, we've learned uh, so far, is the Hebrew word lev, which doesn't mean heart. There's no difference between this heart and this heart as it relates to God. Please understand, people say, well, you know, you just got to get it in here. God, there's no, this is, this is a heart, this is a blood pumper. So in the scripture, when it says heart, literally in Hebrew, it's referring to your mind. Watch this. For as he thinks in his mind, so his e. In other words, let me give it to you like this. Say this. My reality matches my mentality. I, I need you to get this. Say, if I change my mentality, automatically I change my reality. 
Father, speak to us clearly over these next few moments as your word goes forth tonight. Taylor, make it and customize it for us, your people, that we would walk in everything that you've ordained for us to walk in. Tonight, I declare that there is a tangible grace present in the room that will loose the shackles off of the minds of your people. From the youngest to the oldest, from the most senior of Christians to the newest of Christians, to the person that's known you for years, to the person that's going to meet you tonight. No matter where anybody is at tonight, Father, speak in such a way that they leave this experience knowing they've not just had an encounter with a man but they've had an encounter with a God that can speak through a man tonight so I decrease that you might increase speak to us with clarity tonight in Jesus name loose every shackle off of the mentality of your people tonight. Father, I declare that your people shall rise up to be everything that you've ordained us to be. Father, we let go of average. We let go of just getting by. We let go of generational curses. We let go of generational dysfunctions. We let go of just getting by. And we break free tonight in Jesus' name. Somebody shout hallelujah. As you take your seats, have five, two or three people and say destroy the slave mentality. Destroy uh, watch this. This year, you and our church are in a surge. A surge is a sudden, powerful, forward or upward movement. And we started this year with a series called Give Me Faith that was about fortifying or building your faith. Now we need to change your mentality. Say, now my mentality has to change. And through this series, Roots, we're going to capitalize on the diversity in our church to identify and interrupt cross-cultural. That just means it affects everybody. This functions to create a new American experience that's centered around Jesus and his unconditional love for us. Look at your neighbor say, you're loved unconditionally. That means God knows all the bad about you and still chooses to love you. He knows every issue about you and still says he wants you. He knows the good, the bad, the ugly, and he still wants you. He knows what you did and what you didn't do, and he still wants you. He knows how bad you messed up, and he still wants you. He knows that you don't pray like you should, but he still wants you. He knows you don't give like you should, but he still wants you. Look at your neighbor and say, he wants you. On the series graphic, there are images of notable individuals that have beamed the statistics, and we put them on the series. Uh, they'll put it up for you in a moment. There, because I'm determined to raise up a church full of people like that. I said, I am determined to raise up a church full of people like that. Would you look at your neighbor and say, that's the kind of church we are. If you just want to get by and struggle through life, this ain't the church for you. But if you say, I know that, I know that, I know that, I know I was created for more. And I might not know what it is yet, but I know there's more on the inside of me. There's life on the inside of me. I was sent here to, look at the neighbor and say, he's talking about me, talking about me. Now watch this, the ramification of the French emperor Napoleon's statement, we looked at it in part one. He said this, never interfere with an enemy when they are in the process of destroying themselves. Uh, it literally means this, that if you set one negative mentality into motion, and if it's never corrected, it will perpetuate causing people to defeat themselves, because the scripture says, as a man thinks, so is he. Which means that you are, the where, uh, you are where you are at in life because you thought yourself there. And what you thought eventually became your actions, and your actions then created the reality that you live in. It's not your mama's fault. It's not your daddy's fault. It's not what so-and-so did do or did not do. It's because your mentality has been creating your reality. But tonight, I look at your neighbor and say, but tonight. 
But tonight, if we could shift your mentality just a little bit, if you've ever had a vehicle that's been misaligned, please understand that misalignment can create tremendous issues for your tires. It can create tremendous issues even for your fuel consumption. And all they've got to do is make a small adjustment. And that small adjustment makes a big impact. We did a series last year called Epic, Small Things, Big Difference. Would you look at your neighbor and say, it might not be a big change, but it will be a powerful change. So your reality then is at the same level of your mentality. Now, we started in part one talking about historically all people groups have been impacted by slavery. So in all of our roots, a slave mentality exists to some extent, and I've taught on it in depth in years past. And to alter reality, we must change our mentality by doing what Romans 12, 2 says. He says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Here's what transform means. He means when you look at you, you won't recognize the new you that you are. See, your issue is you keep trying to hold on to who you used to be, not understanding God's trying to change that to who it is he's made you to be. You keep saying, I don't feel like myself anymore. Duh, that's the whole idea. You're not supposed to feel like yourself because the you that you were was insufficient to get you to where he wants you to be. Oh, I wish you'd look at your neighbor and say, you're being transformed. Matter of fact, truth be told, if you look at your life, you're much further just in the first 30-some days of this year than you were last year. And truth be told, tomorrow you're going to be better then than you are today because you're constantly being transformed. Touch your neighbor and say, you shouldn't recognize you. Oh, I just don't feel like myself. Duh, that's the whole idea. Are you still here? It says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So become different by making your mind new. Renew means I have to do it over and over again. The issue you and I sometimes face is that we like to do things once and expect that it's going to be good forever. We go to the gym once and expect to be fit forever. We have one healthy meal and expect the whole week to be great. Y'all not going to say nothing to me. You're nice to one person out the week, and you expect that everybody's supposed to be nice to you. you y'all not going to say nothing. You paid your tithes once, and you expect something. Y'all ain't going to say nothing to me. Uh, renew means I got to do it over and over and over again. And there's going to be times while you're on this journey of transformation, and we're all on a journey of transformation, where you're going to have to go take yourself into the bathroom and remind yourself that, listen, you're being made brand new. Shut your complaining up. Shut your whining up. He's making you brand new. And the only way to get something to be brand brand new when it refuses is to put pressure on it because pressure will pull out of you. Yep. Look at the neighbor and say, thank God for your pressure. It's what's transforming you. Y'all didn't say it like you meant it. Look at the other neighbor. That must have been the wrong one. Say, thank God for your pressure. It's transforming you. Let me tell you, it's the hell that you go through that makes you spiritual. People don't often pray when they're on the mountaintop. They pray when they're in the valley. That's where you met him. That's why the old song used to say, I feel like preaching tonight. There's a lily in the valley. Well, how did I find him? Because I wasn't looking for him when everything was good. But when things didn't get so good, I had to get down in the valley. <laughs> but it was in that valley that I found him. It was in that valley that I worshipped him. It was in that valley that I found out that there was greater in me than what I was going through. Look at your neighbor and say, thank God for your valley. So there were mental shackles now that we had to begin the process of taking off of you. Look at your neighbor and say, the shackles are coming off. Now, I, barely, I, I basically tore, tore these up in the, in the 915 on Sunday, so, but we were able to reconstruct them a little bit um, so, that, so that they'll work. Say, these shackles are coming off tonight. The first shackle that needed to come off was the crab in a bucket syndrome, and I talked to you about that in part one. Say, it's off. 
please understand, we are a people who want to see each other do well. We are not a people that when others do well, we pull them down. There's enough opportunity for everybody so you don't have to pull down anybody. Somebody at your job gets a promotion, you ought to go get them a card and say, I'm thanking God for you. And you say, well, why are you thanking God for me? I, 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 you've been here longer than me. You have more experience. No, what you just did was give me a lesson. Uh, the scripture says rejoice with them that are rejoicing, which means I got to celebrate you being blessed and you being favored. Because if I celebrate you, it's an indication of what God's getting ready to manifest in me. Ain't no sense in me hating on you. I ain't trying to be you. I'm competing with yesterday's version of myself. I want you to be you and be the best you that you can because I know that the God who's begun to work in me he shall perfect it and look at your neighbor say don't hate on me celebrate me mental shackle number two was practice prejudice and we talked about how we cannot prejudge things and I told you about this experiment or rather the study that Jane Elliott did, the blue-eyed, brown-eyed experiment, I told you about that. And one of the great things about our church harvest is because we're a church of all backgrounds, because we're a church of all pedigrees, of all ages, of all ethnicities, one of the beauty th beautiful things about that, somebody says beautiful. If you're from the Deep South, beautiful. One of the most beautiful things uh, about that is that we get the opportunity to experience the tapestry of God. God is not white. God is not black. God is not Republican. God is not Democrat. God doesn't take sides. He takes over. And we get to experience that every week, which means every week when you come to church, you get to experience God because the God we serve is a tapestry. He is a unique blend that has come down through the generations. He is now not tall, not short, not black, not white, not this, not that, but he is. He is the great I am, which in Hebrew means, and yeah, I say, yeah, I will prove that which I am to be. Would you touch your neighbor? Say, we experience God every week, every week. Number three, mental shackle was a poverty mindset. And, and we talked about poverty. Say, poverty is not godly. Y'all didn't say it like you mean to say, poverty is not godly. I need you to say it like you believe it. Say, poverty is not godly. Please say, you're not spiritual because you're broke. That's not holiness. That's not spiritual. We learn that God says, the scripture says, God delights in the prosperity of his people. But now remember, prosperity is more than money. Say, it's more than money. It is the Hebrew word shalom. Come on, you should know it by now. You ought to be knowing by heart. It means nothing. Say, I am shalom. Say it like you believe it. I am shalom. See, money doesn't fix poverty. It reveals the presence of poverty. Bishop, what do you mean? That's why professional athletes and lottery winners can get millions and millions of dollars, and they'll find a way to lose their money because money reveals it rarely heals. Money is only an indication of what the person always was the whole time. People say, well, you got money and then you changed. No, they were always that way. They just couldn't afford to act that way. Okay, y'all ain't going to say nothing to me. Y'all ain't going to say nothing to me. Say, I lose the poverty mindset. Say, God wants me to do well. To do well. To be shalom. I am shalom. All right, the fourth shackle we had to take off was that slaves sing the same old song. And y'all remember, we learned the words to the new song. You remember your new song? Oh, you remember your new song? Y'all were not? Okay, maybe well, it's Wednesday life, so some different people. Okay, all right, watch this. Say, I got some new words to a new song. And, and I told you this in part one. God doesn't want to hear your same old song. God's not interested in your same old excuses this year. Well, I'm so hurt. I'm so this. I'm so this. This and that. And then touch your neighbor and say, shut up. I know you may not know him. That's okay. They won't be offended. 
Every now, you know what? That's the problem. Nobody talks to them straight like that. Everybody sugarcoats everything to them. They need some people to talk to them raw. So just talk to them raw again. Look at them say, I meant it. Shut up. Bishop, what I need to shut up? Shut up your old song of complaining. Jesus didn't die for you to just manage misery. He died for you to rule, reign, conquer, and subdue every circumstance. Revelation 5, 9. And they sang a new song, saying you are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seal, for you were slain, and you have redeemed us to God. That means you bought us back. Say, he bought me back. Now, what does it say about you that he'd spend money on you before you were even born? And he didn't just spend money on you. He spent his life on you. I'm going to tell you, you're not trash. You're not junk. You're not yesterday's garbage. You must be valuable. And people may not think that much of you, but he thought you were good enough to die for you. Look at your neighbor and say, he bought me back. And when he bought me, he bought everything for me. Verse, the verse of the word redeem means to purchase back, redeem, to buy it back again. He didn't just buy you up out of hell. He bought you so that you could bring heaven on earth. That is the kingdom. It is heaven's attributes on earth. Such your neighbor say heaven's attributes on earth. Watch this. He says, and you have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation. Verse 10. And I want you to read this because he's talking to us. Read it. Verse 10. Come on, verse 10. Come on, verse 10. Read it. Now, notice, he didn't ask your opinion about it. That's why sometimes you get frustrated with yourself because your flesh is trying to be average and your spirit's trying to be a king. Your flesh is trying to just get by, but your spirit's trying to be a king. And you got this tug of war going on all the time because there's something in you that's saying, but there's more. There's something in you that says, why are you settling? Touch your name and say, he made you a king. And a priest. I've taught on that in death. Literally, it comes from the Hebrew Melchizedek, which is a joint Hebrew word, which means in one man, man, there are two realms. Melchizedek was now the king of Salem, and he was also the high priest of God. He was now the man to where Abraham paid tithe. Check this out. He did have no beginning, and he had no end. So the scripture says in Hebrews that Melchizedek is really a type and shadow of Jesus before we called him Jesus, because Abraham, uh, he was uh, paid tithe to him. He sold to him, watch this, and he was king of Salem, Jerusalem, Shalom. And he was the high priest of God most high. One man, two realms. Let me make it real simple for you. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm both successful and spiritual. Sometimes people think it's, it's, it's either or when it's really and. You're not hearing me. Some people think, well, if I'm going to serve Jesus, I can't be successful. That's a lie. Some people say, well, if I'm going to serve Jesus, then this is going to. No, 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 no. I get to be successful and spiritual. I get to be a boss and pray. I get to be the head and. I ended the 11.15 a.m. worship experience. I ended a message by extracting a principle from the movie Coming to America in the limo where Queen Aeolium, uh, Prince Hakeem's mother, challenged the king. I got her name right today. Challenged the king, uh, the king Jaffe Jafar, which is interestingly, uh, it has an interesting spelling, J-A-F-F-E, last name J-O-F-F-E-R. Now, some of y'all, now, see, because some of y'all, if you're at the 11.15, when you wrote your note on Sunday, you had like J-A-P-H-Y- G-O-P-H-A-R. Say he was the king. Uh, 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 the queen, she challenged him because he wasn't acting like what he was. He was the king. She said to him, I thought 
You were the king when he was letting a circumstance rule him rather than him ruling his circumstances. He said to her, well, who am I to change it? And she said, well, I thought you were the king. This is the same thing God says to you and I when we complain about what we could change and make better. See, uh, please understand, please, and, and, and I don't know about you, but I've been using that every day this week. I had to go in the mirror and look at myself and say, I thought you were the king. Now, now see, some of y'all got a problem with that because the slave mentality that you've been expostulated and exposed to and that's been expostulated to you makes you think, well, no, he's just the king. I'm just some lowly peasant. You should read better. Well, he's the king. I'm just a sinner saved by grace. No, I was a sinner. I am not a sinner anymore. I am the righteousness of God. I may sin, but I'm not a sinner because he's made me his righteousness and he gave it to me as a free gift. Touch your neighbor and say, you're going to have to change your mentality. Watch this, watch this. Don't forget, don't forget that as Christians, we are light in dark places and we are air fresheners in places that stink. Look at your neighbor and say, I thought you were the king. When you get a bad doctor's report, I thought you were the king. When you get a bad situation in your family, and I thought you were the king. When you get a bad situation with your finances, and I thought you were the king. When you feel like giving up, you better shake yourself loose. Go in the restroom and say, I thought you were the king. When you think it's not working for you, tell yourself, I thought you were the king. When it seems like the walls are coming in on you, if the bottom is falling out, you got to say to yourself, I thought you were the All right, I got two new shackles I got to take off. And you say there's two new ones. No, I don't think I got that last one off quite good, though. So before I get to five, let me do four. This should sound familiar. Because up until now, that's what God's been hearing. That's what he's been hearing in your house. And God says... Look, look at the neighbor and say, you might be okay with it, but this year, God's not. You might be okay with not surging, but this year, God says, I'm not okay with that. So would you do me a favor? I, you may not be able to do it for yourself, but would you do me a favor? Would you just take about 10 seconds to praise God for your neighbor's shackles coming up and your neighbor's surge? Not for you, for your neighbor. For your neighbor, shackles are coming off of your mind. Shackles are coming off of your mind. All right, be seated. I'm almost out of time. Mental shackle number five. Slaves have low self-esteem. Slaves have low self-esteem. Now, remember, you have to get part one so you understand the construct from which I'm teaching this. Because you might say, well, no, Bishop, I, I just don't think that's me. You're actually the exact one I'm talking to. Because one of the things that the slave masters would do is they would promote one of the slaves to be a head slave so that they felt like they were more than the rest of the slaves. Okay, this is Wednesday night, so can I teach you? That's why 1 Corinthians chapter 4, the apostle Paul, he says, you have many uh, uh, teachers or instructors, he says, but you have not many fathers. Teachers or instructor there means, watch this, head slaves. He says, but you don't have many fathers. A father in the spirit, a spiritual father is a life giver. A life giver challenges you, you to, challenges you to be the you that you didn't know that was in there. A head slave just wants you to manage misery. All right, all right. 
All right. So what would happen is that the slave, what would happen is they would promote one of the slaves to be above the other slaves. And this was practiced throughout all uh, uh, history. Uh, these practices were used in slavery uh, of, of all types of people groups. So it was not limited to one type of people group. It wasn't a black thing. It wasn't a white thing. It was just a people thing. It was a suppression thing. It was a tactic to implant a mentality in mankind so that mankind would never be what God ordained for it to be because mankind would always operate with the mentality of a slave. Even if he was a head slave, he'd still be a slave. Ah, are you still here? All right, let's move. People with a slave mentality produce a poor quality of work and experience a poor quality of life because that's how they view themselves. Okay, got real quiet right there. Man, man extremely whoo, quiet right there. The truth is, is it can be difficult to strive for great when you've always tolerated the less and no one's pushed you beyond mediocrity. But tonight, God, if I could just have some faith rise up in this room. You produce the quality of life and the quality of work or quality of anything you do commensurate to how you view yourself. It's real quiet in here. I'm going to say it again. You produce a quality of life and a quality of work commensurate to how you view yourself tantamount, equal to, which means I cannot produce greater than what I have. So that's why sometimes you'll fix the fruit in your life, but the situation will reappear. It reappears because you never got to the roots, which is why we're in the series, Roots. Or if you're in the deep south, Roots. Are you here? Now, poor doesn't always mean wretched and messy. It means less than excellent. And God says, I want my people to stop settling for the less because I told them to pursue the nevertheless. Jesus, when he had an opportunity to take the easy way out, he said, Father, not my will, or nevertheless, not my will, your will be done. Watch the etymology of the word, nevertheless, meaning that I got to give up good to get great. But if I keep holding on to good, I'll never obtain the great that he died for me to have. Y'all not saying nothing to me. Say it, if it's less than excellent, that's not his will. That's why Romans 2.18 says that we should only approve the things that are excellent, which means we should decline the things with their average because his will is always excellent. Let me paint this a little bit more clearly for us. The slave mentality originated in the garden with Adam. They said, Bishop, how, how did you come to that conclusion? Adam there is not just uh, of the name of a man. It is the name of mankind, Adam. It is the name of mankind. And watch this. Uh, he was the image and likeness of God. He was not just a servant of God, but he was the original son of God. He was literally, the scripture says, God of the earth, God in the earth. Psalm 8.5 says this. For you have made him a little lower than the angels. But angels there uh, was, watch this, let me show you how prevalent the slave mentality was. When they were translating it, they could not get their minds around the concept that they were made a little bit lower. Watch this, the word angels in your Bible was them substituting a word. Angels is not what appears in the original text. In fact, if you have an old school Bible, you'll see some type of asterisk or mark there to tell you that, well, this isn't the word. We substituted the word angels for the real word that should have been here, which should have been capitalized. He didn't make us a little lower than the angels. The original text says he made us a little lower than Elohim or God himself. You're not hearing me. But the slave mentality was so prevalent in mankind that mankind could not grasp the concept that we're a little lower than him and they, the angels, are a little lower than us. 
Okay, apparently this is too much for us. Psalm 85, it says, For you have made him a little lord than Elohim himself, and you have crowned him with glory and honor. You have made him to have what? Dominion over the works of your hands, and you have put all things under his feet. No, I, I need you to get this. I need you to get this. I need you to see who you really are. Because the you that you really are, you don't see and we don't see clearly because life has been happening to us. And when life happens to us, life diminishes the view that we have of ourselves. And so it becomes very difficult to do what I cannot first see myself becoming. Verse, Psalm 8 and 5. Psalm 8 and 5. Here it is. Here it is. It says, for you have made him a little lower than God himself. Angels are servants. We have the power to become sons and daughters. That's okay. That's why, that's why he called Abraham friend, not because they were buddies. I'm a friend of God. That's a real nice concept, but it, it sometimes takes a bad connotation with it. God's not our buddy. He ain't going, he ain't going to hang out and watch the game. You see? No. It, it means, watch this. Friend in Hebrew meant that he shared secrets. Verse. So when he says, Abraham's my friend, he said, I told Abraham stuff I didn't tell the angels. Okay, this is too much. All right, let's just get back to the text. Here it is. Psalm 85. For you have made him a little lower than God himself, and you have crowned him with what? Look at your neighbor and say, where's your crown? Uh, glory, that means goodness. Honor, that means respect. You have made him to have dominion. You know what dominion is? Absolute power over what? The work of your hands. You have put all things under his feet. Which means God says when he looks at us and we're complaining about stuff that we have dominion over, he's saying, well, what do you want me to do? I thought you were the king. I dare somebody that's got some crazy situations going on in your life to just remind yourself, I am the king. Yes, sir. He's king of kings and Lord of the world. I'm one of the kings. Yes, I am. I dare you to look at those bills tomorrow and say, eh, but I am the king. I dare you to look at that hellacious family situation tomorrow and say, but I am the king. Watch this now. Adam didn't grow up from a baby. He was made into an adult male. You missed it. Adam did not grow through the process of maturation and development. Adam came out as a full-grown man, which probably explains why he was so quick to give away what angels coveted. He didn't have to labor for it. So he gave up sonship to become a slave. Watch this, because he didn't see himself like his father saw him. And God says he needs us to see ourselves the way he sees us. Adam gave up being son to become a slave because he didn't see himself the way his daddy saw him. You keep saying, well, I got these issues. God says, but you are more than a conqueror. You keep saying, I made too many mistakes, but God says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. You keep telling God what you're not. He keeps telling you what you are. And he says, I'm sick of you settling to be a slave when I offered you to be a son. Adam gave it up. Now, because this is interesting, because how could Adam give it up? The scripture says that Adam, can I teach you for a moment? 
the scripture says that Adam and God, they walked through the garden in the cool of the day, which means God took the time to father and to mentor Adam. He took Adam and said, look, don't do this. Don't do this. I want you to do this. I want you to do this. All right. And the scripture says that when he took him to animals, he took him to see what he would name them. In other words, God had already told Adam what to call him. He just wanted to make sure Adam called him what God had already named him. So Adam was just agreeing with what God had already said. Adam wasn't coming up with something new. But Adam didn't see himself the way his father saw him. So because he didn't see himself the way his father saw him, he ended up settling for the less when he was supposed to say, never the. But low self-esteem says, I don't deserve that. Okay, let me let you know on something. Duh. That's what grace is. That's what goodness is. Grace is when he gives you what you don't deserve. Mercy is when he blocks something negative that you do deserve. And I think I got a few witnesses in here tonight that know a couple things about that grace and that mercy. I, I think it's a few of y'all that know something about that. Let me say it another way. That goodness and that mercy. The scripture says they follow me all the days of my life. Which means you can only push me back so far before I run into goodness. And before I run it. And that's why for some of you life's been pushing you. Because it's pushing you towards goodness. And it. And it's pushing you towards mercy. Touch your neighbor say, it pushed me right into his grace, right into his mercy. Lay your hands on yourself. Say, lay your hands on yourselves. Say your name. No, your, your real name. <laughs> some of y'all was calling stuff by faith. I heard somebody say, Bentley, that is not your name. I'm just joking. I'm being facetious. Say in the name of Jesus, the shackle. Of low self-esteem, low self-image is broken in Jesus' name. Let me tell you how this manifests, and then I got to get to the last one, and I got three minutes. Watch this. It manifests, low self-esteem either manifests itself as desperation or pride. They normally toggle, they are polarized, rather. Either you're so desperate that you'll settle for anybody to say you have somebody, You'll set up for anything to say you have something. Or you're so prideful and arrogant that you never have nothing. <laughs> I know that's not good because I'm saying it that way so you remember. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I said, are you hearing what I'm saying? Are you hearing what I'm saying today? Are you hearing what I'm saying today? Mental shackle, number six. Slaves are stiff-necked. Text his neighbor said, check your neck. <laughs> now don't be touching on him though. Mental shackle number six. Watch this. Y'all ready? This is the last one. This is the last shackle we got to break. The Hebrews spent 430 years enslaved in Egypt. And they came out overnight, but Egypt was still in them. The wilderness was intended to get Egypt out of them, but they mishandled the wilderness by being stiff-necked. Touch your neighbor said, don't mishandle your wilderness. The purpose of the wilderness was to get Egypt out of them, but it did not get Egypt out of them. It just, man, it just magnified the Egypt that was already in them. Are you still here? Yes, stiff neck, watch what it means by definition. Stiff neck means in Hebrew, disrespectful. Watch this. This is what it means by definition in Hebrew. Difficult for leadership to work with. I knew it'd get quiet there. Stiff neck. Stiff neck. God called him stiff neck and they called themselves stiff neck. It means difficult for leadership to work with. 
which means, which means, please understand, if you're not the leader, it's because God didn't think you needed to be. And rather than complaining about it, what you need to realize is if your neck gets stiff, you'll mishandle your wilderness. You keep saying, well, if I was in charge, maybe that's why he won't give you charge. Because he knows, watch this, your low self-esteem will make you arrogant and prideful if you get power. You want to see the real measure of a person? Give them a little power. It's amazing what folk will do with a little something in front of their name. It's amazing how folk act with a little something after their name. It's amazing what people do with a door. It's amazing what people do with an extension. It's amazing what people do with an email account. Disrespectful. Difficult for leadership to work with. Let me talk to my student for a moment. She just doesn't understand. She doesn't have to. <laughs> Bishop, my mom doesn't get it. I know, but since you don't pay for anything, she doesn't have to. <laughs> no, Bishop, I did pay for the phone, but you don't pay the power you plug the phone into. <laughs> I'm just going to tell you the truth. I'm just going to tell you the truth. Bishop, I want my privacy. Then get your own place. It's my room, Mom. Matter of fact, I'm taking the door off. Mom, I'm in the restroom. I'm taking the shower curtain and the door. The breeze, I never heard nobody. Just flow in the spirit, flow in the spirit. <laughs> the wind of God, wind of God. If you're difficult for leadership to deal with you, you're going to mishandle your wilderness. Because here's what will eventually happen. A leader will eventually say, it's too difficult to deal with them. I'll just pick somebody else. And that's what God did with the children of Israel. He said, you're too difficult. You always got to complain. When you come too difficult, even God says, just like he did with the children of Israel, it's just too much. I knew it would get real quiet right here. I knew it would get real quiet right here. You know the only people ain't said nothing to people that have never had the opportunity to be in leadership. Because if you've ever had an opportunity to be in leadership in any sphere of life, a manager, a supervisor, you're like, I wish he'd preach this at my office tomorrow. Like, please. I like, we're going to listen to the tape at the meeting tomorrow or the CD. Just going to put it on and play it. Write me up if you want to, but I, you need to hear this word. Watch this. But then it means, say they were stiff-necked. It means obstinate by definition. It means stubbornly refusing to change after one greater than you has attempted to persuade you to change. It means to stubbornly refuse to change after attempts to persuade one uh, have come by one greater than you. So God says the children of Israel were stiff-necked. And check this out. So much so that in Exodus 34, 9, Moses says that he knew they were stiff-necked. Now, I got a problem. God said it as a rebuke. Hey, listen, do y'all know that y'all are disrespectful? Do y'all know that you are difficult to work with? And do you know that you are obstinate? Do you know that when I have to come and deal with y'all, I'm like, oh, God. You got some folk in your life that when you deal with, it's like, oh, God. You don't, even say the, you don't even say God right. It's God. Who is God? <laughs> are y'all here? In other words, Moses in Exodus 34, 9, he said, Lord, we know we are stiff-necked people. <laughs> Check this out. Here's what they were saying. Here's what slaves say. That's just how I am. Give me a minute. I need some time. It's quiet up in here. This is just how I am. 
My mama was like this. How did it work out for her? My daddy was like this. How did it work out for him? Slaves say, this is just how I am. Oh, God have mercy. I get an attitude because that's just the way I am. Since y'all ain't said nothing, I'm going to spend some time right here. I don't speak because that's just the way that I am. I didn't say good morning after I looked at you and watched you say it with your mouth and heard it come out of your ears because that is just the way that I am. I get an attitude with everybody and I pop my neck and I pop my neck because that's just the way I am. I know I ain't supposed to do that, but that's just the way that I am. You're going to have to give me some time. I've been like this for 40 years. Just because that's the way you've been doesn't mean it's been right. How's it been working out for you? Slaves say, that's just the way I am. When instead, as Christians, we should treat every day as a classroom and every experience as a teacher. You know what I discovered? I, can, can I tell you something? I discovered that sometimes the people with the least to show for their lives are the people that are the most difficult to deal with. I got one you telling the truth. I got one you preaching. I got another you we listening. And I got 17 laughs. Okay. Watch this. Watch this. Touch the neighbor and say, watch this. I I'm through, but, but I need us to break this. If you're going to surge, you have to treat every day as a classroom and every experience as a teacher. You know when we get discouraged and depressed is when we look at a bad experience as the end rather than a lesson. Just because they don't want you doesn't mean it's over. Just because that situation didn't work out doesn't mean that's the end. Y'all ain't going to say Just because they took that card doesn't mean it ain't some more cards to be bought. Y'all not said just because you lost that house doesn't mean there's more. Instead, what we've got to do is say today is a classroom. I'm a student and everything that happens to me today is a teacher. And when I look at it as a lesson, I'll stop being so depressed. I'll stop being so discouraged. I'll stop cussing everybody out. I know not you, but somebody you know. You spend two and three hours a day just trying to bounce back from depression from the beginning of the day. But tonight. God, if I could get faith in here. Touch your neighbor say, you're not stiff-necked. Here's what stiff-necked people do. Slaves don't give but want to reap. Slaves won't serve, serve but want to surge. Slaves fight their emancipator when they should embrace him. I used to have a saying. I used to have a saying when I was trying to help somebody. I used to say to people, I said, don't fight your help. So I'm trying to help you, and you're fighting me. I said, and the issue is, is you think you know how to get out of your mess. But the level of intellect that created the mess is an insufficient level of intellect to get out of the mess. Touch your neighbor and say, don't fight your help. They fought Moses when Moses, watch this, was the only one that knew where the mountain God was going to speak on was. So if they got rid of Moses, let me say it another way. If they disrespected and dishonored the man of God, they never would have got to the mountain. You're not hearing what I'm saying. Touch your neighbor and say, don't fight your help. I know that boss, you may think they're being real rough on you, but a leader that will criticize you will prepare you for God to supersize you. Y'all ain't going to say nothing to me. I know you think that situation is unfair, but I'm here to tell you, you're a student. It's a lesson. 
They fought Moses. Touch your neighbor and say, don't fight your Moses. Don't fight your emancipator. Don't, don't fight the folk trying to help you because you're stiff-necked and giving it. Slaves complain about what they could change. Slaves want to live like nobody else, yet they won't live like anybody else. The great financial guru Dave Ramsey says, if you live like no one else, one day you'll live like no one else. Here, here's the whole catch. He's saying, listen, if, if you want to be great, success takes time. So sometimes you're going to have to make some sacrifices for a little while so that your success can begin to bud. If you are a shooting star, I'm here to warn you, those fall fast. Great things take time to build deep roots. That's why some of you are saying, why is it taking so long? Because your roots need to be strong. And your roots are weak. And if you have this big thing built on top of weak roots, it'll crumble. And that's why somebody ought to thank God it didn't happen when you wanted it to. Where are the people on Wednesday Night Live that'll say, I thank God it didn't happen last year. I would have messed it up. I thank God it didn't happen in 13. I would have messed it up. My roots weren't deep enough. My mentality was messed up. But in this year, I am getting ready to serve. Watch. Slaves want bigger, but don't strive to get better. But you. But you. <laughs> I'm done. But you. <laughs> Good morning, y'all. But you. Good afternoon. <laughs> but you. Good evening. <laughs> but you. Look at your neighbor say, I'm the butt in my bloodline. That means I'm the interruption. My mentality is changing. And it's going to affect generations after me. I'm here to tell you the generations after you aren't going to struggle the way you struggle, aren't going to deal with the issues that you've dealt with because you were born. You are the interruption to the dysfunction in your bloodline. You are the Jacob in your bloodline. You are the Isaac and the Abraham of your bloodline. Shout, break the slave mentality. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.